0: You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at This It's going to be fun then. All right. Good morning. It's good to be with you as we conclude our series uh, on Acts Becoming the Church. Our lesson today uh, comes from the end of Acts uh, chapter 22. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter 28, beginning with verse 23 through 31. It'll be on the screens, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. After they had set a day to meet with him, they came to him at his lodgings in great numbers, talking about Paul, the Apostle Paul. From morning until evening, he explained the matter to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he had said, while others refused to believe. So they disagreed with one another. And as they were leaving, Paul made one further statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, go to this people and say, you will indeed listen, but never understand. You will indeed look But never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they might not look with their eyes, and listen with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn. And and I would heal them. Let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years, at his own expense, And welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The book of Acts seems to end on a whimper. This is the book where we, at the beginning we saw Jesus ascend and we saw the Holy Spirit rush like a violent wind and we saw tongues of fire dance upon the heads of the apostles. It is the book where we saw Peter healing and and, and Peter's revelation that all things are indeed clean. It's the book where we have this great story of Saul, the great persecutor of the church, uh, and his conversion, and his conversion at the hands of his enemy, who laid hands on him. And here we have this ending of, of Paul, Paul, in essence, under house arrest in Rome, teaching small groups for a couple of years. And then, and then the book ends. You might expect that the book would end with, with, with Peter standing on the mountaintop looking over at the promised land. Or, or, or Paul, on his final day, the chariots of fire would swoop down and bring him up in heaven. But no, we have have this. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. He welcomed all, proclaimed the kingdom, and shared Jesus. Could it really be that simple. To welcome all, proclaim the kingdom, and to share Jesus. Now, some of you are on to the grand metaphor that I've been doing for the last four weeks. Not only have we been talking about uh, the book of Acts and the formation of the church and a church trying to figure itself out, but we're also talking about the United Methodist Church, which is also trying to figure itself out by the power of the Holy Spirit. No, no sermon series is an accident, but certainly this one was on purpose. As many of you know, the United Methodist Church is meeting in St. Louis next week to discuss the church's understanding of human sexuality. But don't panic. This sermon is PG-rated, so parents, don't panic. But it's a time set aside for the church to gather in prayer, and worship, to break bread with one another, and to wrestle with this question that we've been wrestling with for a long time. Not only our denomination, but news from other denominations reveal that we just haven't yet figured this out. The church has been wrestling with this gift for some time. So in the spirit of, tell it to me plain, preacher, I'll firm up the metaphor this morning. So next week in St. Louis, the church will gather to hear a report on the commission on the way forward. And their official report that they're offering is what's called the One Church Model. There's also the Connectional Conference Model. There are two other models that may be presented that are currently in legislative committee, which is the Modified Traditional Model and the Simple Plan. The reason I have not talked about these specifically from the pulpit is because these models might be changed and amended or combined or thrown out or nothing might happen at all. So instead of talking about these plans corporately, though we've had lots of small group discussions, I've had lots of coffee, lots of emails, I found it best for us to jump into scripture, to read the book of Acts, to read our story, of the way that we came together as a church. In the first week, we talked about Rabbi Gamaliel, who said, if it is not of God, it will die away. And if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. As a member of the delegation, I get lots of emails uh, from lots of folks from all over the place, not just Louisiana, but from all over the place. And typically, the first question that people ask is, What do the plans have to do with my church? What do the plans have to do with me? Which is a fine question, which is an important question, but it ought not be our first question. Our first question should be, so what is God up to? What is God doing? How do we interpret this? Is this of God? Is this not of God? So we start with Rabbi Gamaliel. If it is not of God, it will die away. And if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. If we can wrestle, in other words, if we can wrestle with this first question, then the second question tends to follow suit and fall in line. (coughs) Excuse me. Next, we heard about how God's grace keeps outdoing itself. In Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9, it starts with Saul's persecution of the church. And then Philip, the grand extrovert of the New Testament, Philip baptizes a Samaritan. So Samaritan and Jews are coming back together, brothers and sisters reconciled. And then Philip baptizes an Ethiopian eunuch. So then the outcast is welcomed. And then we have the conversion of Saul. The enemy of the church was converted. When enemies came together and laid hands on one another, my prayer is that when we arrive in St. Louis, we will all be surprised by the goodness of God's grace. Something we haven't thought about, something we weren't discerning, hits us right between the eyes, and God's grace wins again. The human brain is amazing, and the way that we can think through and write legislation and gather together, but God's grace. Is magnificent. It is the power of God to reconcile, to welcome, and to heal. This is my prayer. Then we talked about the Jerusalem Council and Paul's response to the Jerusalem Council. And I lifted this up because we hear a ruling from an authoritative body and we also have the blessing of hearing Paul's reaction to it in a local congregation. What a gift it is that we have this in Scripture. Of course, Paul doesn't make it any easier for us. When there was a question of whether or not they could eat meat that had been polluted by idols, Paul says, yes, you can. Unless you shouldn't. (laughs) Those who are abstaining from faith are weak. But instead of telling them to get with the program... Humble yourself and do not cause your neighbor to stumble. This answer may be easy to hear, but living into it takes a lifetime. (laughs) How is my journey lifting up others instead of tearing them down? I lift up this story because there will be lots of pronouncements coming from St. Louis uh, next week. And what is more important than the the, the, the pronouncements themselves is our reaction to them. And I pray that our Christian activity is always rooted in love of God and love of neighbor. If you want to be Methodist about it. Love of God and love of neighbor. Then we discuss the Ephesian riot. Where Demetrius, out of fear to what uh, would happen to his bottom line when Paul came to town, stoked a fearful frenzy, and be- because there was confusion, and one was saying one thing, and another was saying another, the people had forgotten while they had been riled up to begin with. There are many across the board who are using fear to rile people up, saying the fill-in-the-blank plan is going to make us lose members, make us lose money, turning our hearts from God. And they're saying this about all of the plans. It's one thing to be well-informed. It's one thing to be well-informed. It's a completely different thing to misrepresent something in order to stoke fear. As Christians, we are not people of fear. 300, what is it, 365 times in the Bible it says, do not fear, do not be afraid. Misrepresenting something in order to stoke fear is never the way. Is never the way. Which brings us to today. Again, it may seem like the book of Acts ends with with a whimper. It's certainly not as dramatic as we might have thought it had been as we begin to read the book of Acts. Jesus ascending, the Holy Spirit rushing about, people hearing their own language, tongues of fire... Peter healing, Paul's conversion. But maybe this relative ending offers great wisdom. At the end of it all, Paul welcomed all, proclaimed the kingdom of God, and shared the teachings of Jesus. Or to put it another way, at the end of it all, Paul was about bringing hope Building faith and reaching out with love, which is our mission. It's written on the wall in the narthex, which means it's true and forever will be true. Bringing hope, building faith, reaching out in love. That is our mission and that is our goal, and it is exactly how the book of Acts ends. After the votes are taken and the petitions finalized, I pray that we will continue to be the church that calls Mr. Coleman forward to see what his vision is and what his mission is at Bozier Elementary and how we might equip that vision to transform lives. I pray that we continue to be the church that celebrates with First uh, Baptist in Bozier and their new Emily Build, which is going to be announced today in their congregation, that continues the Katie Build story that began here at Asbury I pray that we continue to be the church that goes to Cuba to help equip the vision that is on their hearts in a small church in Faya in the middle of the island. I pray we continue to be the church that says, hey, we're building a wheelchair ramp this week. Who's in? Who's with me? I pray we continue to be the church that is the most beautiful prayer garden that I've ever seen, one that honors God's gift of creation and our enjoyment of it. I pray that we continue to welcome all to proclaim God's kingdom and to share the teachings of Jesus. Or in other words, I pray that we continue to bring hope, to build faith, and to reach out with love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this opportunity to gather and to worship you and to revel in your grace and your glory, to celebrate a baptism, to hear glorious music. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Give us courage. Give us hope. Help us to share love without fear. Help us to remember and to celebrate that our story ends not in death, but in life, and life eternal. So, Father, be with us as we continue to grow in what it means to be your children. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.